Welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. So last Sunday, how many of you guys came to Youth Sunday last Sunday? Man, they were a bunch of passionate lovers of Jesus. We had our youth uh, share and bring testimonies from the Bold Conference, and they just kind of lit a fire uh, in the house, and so uh, grateful for them. Uh, but we're gonna get back onto our summer series that we've been on, which is called Cultivating Foundations. And kind of the whole idea of this summer series is that we're trying to build foundational truths in our life as believers for what we believe and why we believe it. And so we're trying to build these foundational things that are, I think are important for every believer to have. And so um, and, and, and all of these things that we've been talking about are to get us to grow up into maturity. And you'll see this in scripture. It talks about growing up into maturity so that we're not blown and tossed back and forth by every new teaching or, or wave of doctrine that comes in. And so the question that we've kind of been burning on our heart this summer is, do you know what you believe and why you believe it? And do you know the foundations of what your faith is all about? And so we talked uh, a few weeks back, number one, about having a biblical worldview, that when you look at the world, we have to look at the world through the lens of Scripture. It doesn't, doesn't mean that, that, that I can have my Aaron's view of things and then I've got my Bible view of things. My Bible view of things must become Aaron's view of things, amen? So I've got to be able to look at the world and look at it through the lens of Scripture and to say, okay, what does God's Word say about this? What does God's Word say about this? And so having a biblical worldview is foundational for us. And then from that starting point, then we lay the foundation. And the foundation that we laid was Jesus Christ. No one comes to the Father but through Him. I don't care how many other religions are out there or how many other nice people are out there. Love them in Jesus. There's only one way to the Father, and it's through Jesus Christ. Amen? He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No one, he says, comes to the Father but through me. And so we have to enter through him. And so Paul says those famous words, I laid a foundation, and that foundation was that of Jesus Christ. No one else can lay any other foundation. You can't add to that foundation, be like, well, I'm gonna make it a little bit better. That's it. And now what we do is we build on that foundation. And so a couple weeks ago, we talked about two important things in our Christianity. One thing we talked about was repentance. Everybody say repentance. And we talked about how important it is that we've got repentance in our life. And repentance isn't to shackle you and make you feel guilty and condemned. We said repentance is to free you. Because unless we repent, I'm carrying shame and guilt in my life. But when I repent and I lay it down and I turn away from it, now Jesus says he can handle it for me. So repentance is freedom. And then we talked about grace that we are saved by grace and not by works so that no one can boast. So we talk about two kinds of grace. We talk about justifying grace, which means Jesus, when he died on the cross, he justified you. You are justified as you stand before the Lord. 
And then we talked about sanctifying in grace. Sanctifying grace is grace that makes you become more and more and more and more like him. It's the continuous work to grow more and more and more into the image of Christ. And so today, I wanna lay down one more building block on our faith, and the building block is one I think that we struggle with in Western Christianity. I think it's a building block that we've wavered on a lot in church life, and that is the fear of the Lord. Everybody say the fear of the Lord. Ooh, the fear of the Lord. You feel it in the place, amen? I, I want to talk about the fear of the Lord because I think it's something that we don't talk enough about in church life. We talk about the love of the Lord, yes and amen. The grace of the Lord, yes and amen. We talk about sonship. We talk about all these beautiful things, the encouragement of the Lord. I don't know that we talk a lot about the fear of the Lord. And what you're going to see in Scripture, it is, it's foundational. It's foundational. Um, and I think one of the reasons we don't talk a lot about the fear of the Lord is because I think we live in a world right now that doesn't have a, a, a lot of things that we, um, that we fear. I mean, we've got things out there, COVID came through, we've got these things that we fear, but I think what happens is we get through some big, huge thing and we start to kind of lose a little bit of that fear. For instance, I've got a picture up here. Um, when you do something over and over and over, you start to lose the fear of it. You got that picture, Angie? Maybe, I don't think she's back. Yeah, she, there she is. Um, so we out at our farm, my dad had this idea to build a, um, a zip line across our pond for our five and six-year-old children. And um, so we just kind of threw up this rickety thing and it was a little nerve-wracking. Everybody had a little bit of fear at the start. And they were going across and we're like, let go, you're gonna hit the wall, you know, whatever. And so they would let go and it was like, oh. And then when nobody got injured, we started doing stupid stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like when you make it through, it's like all of a sudden you lose all sense of fear. And so we had like four or five kids trying to hang off of it. It was just dumb. It was just, it was fun, but it was dumb. And so then Dan Rayburn, some of you guys know our pastor Dan Rayburn, our family life pastor, um, Dan Rayburn was out there and he says, let me try it. I mean, if a five-year-old can do it, I can do it. And I was like, oh, this is gonna be good, right? So Dan gets up there, and it's about 20 foot high, and Dan was like, you could tell there's a little fear, a little trepidation in his heart, but he's like, man, if these kids can do it, I can do it. Well, he was trying to figure out how to go, do I bend down, what? So then he thought, I'm just gonna run, I'm just gonna jump. Well, what he forgot was the cable kind of sags a little bit, right? So he jumps, and it rips out of his hand, and he falls 20 feet. By the grace of God, he landed in half of the water, okay? And for a moment, everybody kind of gasped and was like, oh, he's dead. We just killed Dan. Like, he's leaving for Georgia. We just killed him, right? And all of a sudden, we hear in that Georgia accent, he had hit half of the water, half of the land. I'm okay. I'm okay. Oh. It knocked the wind out of him, and he was basically he was walking around and, and, and he, was, he was alive. That's all we cared about, right? And so he stays back and for about 10 minutes he watched kids going down and then something happened. He goes, I gotta do it again. <laughs> and so he gets up there and although he had a little bit of fear in him, he got on it again and he went down and he made it all the way to the water. Yes and amen? Good job, Dan. But here's what I noticed about it. When Dan hit the water, Dan fell off and he hit the water and hit the land, all of a sudden a little bit of fear came back into everybody again. And that fear was healthy. We stopped doing stupid things on that thing. I think sometimes what happens in our life is something similar to this. It's like we get comfortable with the Lord and we start to lose the fear of the Lord. 
We start to lose the fear. Like, he's good. He's not going to care. We're going to make it. doesn't really matter what we do. We start to lose a little bit of the fear of the Lord. And I think church today, especially in our times today, that the fear of the Lord in church life in general, so many of us, we've lost the fear of the Lord, and we just simply have lost this feeling of, I just, I'm not worried about him anymore. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. I mean that by saying that Scripture is going to refer over and over and over to the fear of the Lord. In fact, the Bible speaks of the fear of the Lord over 295 times from Genesis to Revelation. In fact, the fear of God ran through the first church so much it says that they were filled with awe and amazement. In Acts 9.31, this is what it says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace, and it was being built up, and here's what it says, and walking in, everybody say the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So there were two things that were building up the church in the early church. They had the fear of the Lord, and they had the comfort of the Holy Spirit, I find that interesting, and here we are in America, we're seeing church life kind of begin to decline in many ways, and here's what we're seeing. I don't know that we walk with the Holy Spirit, and I don't know that we fear the Lord. So the two growing factors in the first church were that they walked in a holy fear of the Lord, who he was, what he he could do, his power, his majesty, his strength, and they walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And so... As I was writing this message this past week, I really began to reflect in my own life, and I was sitting there going, do I really have the fear of the Lord in me? Do I really have the fear of the Lord? And man, I was just in kind of turmoil a little bit, realizing so much of my life, like my affections and what I was chasing, what I was going after, and how I wouldn't give time to the Lord in in certain things because I want to do my thing. I really began to see in my own life, I struggle with the fear of the Lord. I struggle with whether or not I really do have a healthy fear of the Lord. And so as I was Again, kind of preparing for this message, I began to think about Satan's fall. And as you know, Satan fell from heaven. He was an angel, and there was a third of the angels that also fell, which are the demons now. And so Satan and the demons fell, and part of the reason they fell is it says in Scripture, they rebelled against God. So at some point in time, Satan and those fallen angels believed in some way that they had They had an upper hand on God or that somehow they could overthrow God. They had lost a healthy sense of fear of God. And because of that, they were cast out of heaven and they were thrown and hurled to the earth. And I'm looking at our life now going, okay, so if Satan fell because he lost his fear of the Lord, what's he going to attack us in? He wants us to lose our fear of the Lord. I just don't think God's going to do that. I just don't think God's that, that, you know, going to make that happen. I just don't really have that awe and reverence of him. I can kind of do my own thing. And so Satan's going to attack us in the same way that he fell, which is he wants us to lose that fear of the Lord. I think it's interesting that um, out of all the power that Satan respects the most, he respects the name and the power of Jesus. Because at the name of Jesus, Satan has to flee. And James will tell us that the demons, at the name of Jesus, they shudder with fear. 
So here you have the demons who shudder with fear. You've got Satan who shudders with fear. And I'm asking the church, do we have a fear of the Lord? There's this heavy focus that we have on the love of God. Yes and amen to that. I love, man, we could talk about the love of God every single day. But I think that there is a foundational piece to the church, according to Acts 9, that may be missing. And that foundational piece of the church may be that we don't have a healthy fear of the Lord anymore. So what is the fear of the Lord? Let me just give you a few foundational things here. Number one, um, as you work out your salvation, it says to work it out with fear and trembling. Paul says in Philippians 2.12, therefore, my dear friends, as you have obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with what? Fear, fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So God is working in you. He's the one doing the work, not you. He's the one doing the work. Our role is that I keep my eyes on him and when I keep my eyes on him, I'm filled with this fear and trembling of, oh my gosh, he's big, he's massive, he's majestic, oh, he's amazing. And so then, so we've got this working out our salvation is worked out with fear and trembling. Then we've got this Hebrews 12, 28, where he's going to talk about awe and reverence. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably. And he's going to tell us what acceptable worship looks like. Worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And what you'll see is that reverence and awe is a way in which they interpret the word fear as well. For it says, for our God is a consuming fire. So he just told us two things. If we're going to worship God, we should have this reverence and awe of him because he's like a consuming fire that could burn you up in a second. So I've got this dual thing of me going, oh, he's intense. Oh, but he's amazing. But he's intense. But he's amazing. And I think what happens in our Christian life is that we love the amazing side of God and we discard the fact that he can be intense too, which is why we just don't really care about living our life the way we want to live it, vicariously, the way I want to live it, I'm just going to live my life. So we've got a fear issue. And then one of my favorite ways is not only is it reverence and awe, not only is this fear and trembling how we're working out our salvation, but Psalm 25, David's going to tell us that the fear of the Lord is friendship with God. How many of you guys want to be friends with God? I want to be friends with God. David says in Psalm 25, 14, the friendship, some say the secret, some translations, they say the secret of the Lord or the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. So what you see in this Psalm 25 is David is this man who's groaning after Yahweh. He's this man who wants to just spend his days with the Lord. That's why he says better is one day in the courts of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. It's why he says I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than anywhere else. And so David's got this love affair that's growing in his heart with the Lord. But David, down the road here in Psalm 25, you're gonna see it. David's like, but I also know that I'm prone to wander. I also know that when I don't fear the Lord, when I'm not looking at him, when I'm not gazing on him, if I get, don't keep my eyes continually on him, I'm prone to wander. Like when I don't look at him and I don't have the fear of the Lord, like this is what caused him to sleep with another woman. 
And this is what caused him to have that woman's uh, husband murdered on the front line. He had taken his gaze off the Lord. He had lost that fear of the Lord, and he just simply did his own thing. And so David's going, I'm prone to wander. If I want to be friends with God, I better keep my eyes on him and have a fear of the Lord inside of my life. And so David, he's going to go on, and he's going to say, and when I keep my eyes on him... No matter what snares the enemy may lay, what traps the world may lay, no matter what my flesh may be crying out for, here's what he says, the Lord will pluck me out of the net. If I have a fear of the Lord, no matter what things are kind of common and vie for my attention, he will pluck me out of the net. Why is that important? Because I want you to hear this today. The Bible doesn't say fear the Lord because he wants to crush you, he wants to save you. The fear of the Lord is not the Lord going, oh, I could just break you into a thousand pieces. That's not the fear of the Lord. He could. But the fear of the Lord is him saying, no, keep your eyes on me so I can keep you from the snares and the traps. Keep your eyes on me so I can pluck you from the things that you'll try to wander into. The fear of the Lord is there to save you, not to crush you. And this is why in Proverbs 9, 10, Solomon, the wisest man that we know of to live outside of Jesus, he says those famous words in Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. As you develop a fear of the Lord, now I want you to hear me say, as you develop a fear of the Lord, as you begin to understand the awestruck nature of who God is, and also the trembling of who God is, and also the, oh man, like I just have a high respect for him. As you begin to develop that in your life, all of your thoughts, all of your ways are gonna bend around that fear of the Lord that you have. It's how you're gonna stay out of getting into things that you know are gonna get you into trouble. It's how you're gonna stay out of trying to put other idols in front of him. The verse here says that God's true foundation, if you wanna, the fear of God is so foundational because it's the beginning of wisdom. All the other learning that we're gonna do is worthless if we don't have the fear of the Lord at the start. Now, I'm gonna show you why this is so important, man. I, I love this. If we want to develop our own wisdom, this is what's gonna happen. Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one says the, these words. Uh, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them. God has shown it to him. His invisible attributes, his eternal power, divine nature have been perceived since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Here we go, verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. So they had a knowledge of God. They knew who he was, but they did not fear God. Listen to what it says. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. They became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and that's what it says, then all other thoughts outside of that foundation is gonna be foolishness. And here's what happens. When we get into foolishness, here's what he says. And for this reason, God gave them up to the depraved minds. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to their debased mind 
to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with every manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of murder, strife, deceit, maliceness, gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Sounds a bit like our culture. Disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And why were they that way? Because they did not have a fear of God. You see, church, this is foundational force because it starts off with if we don't have the fear of the Lord, we don't have wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and if we don't have that, then we're going to give ourselves over to our own wisdom, and our own wisdom is foolishness, amen? So without the fear of the Lord, we're gonna develop our own decision-making, and when we develop our own decision-making, according to Romans, it's gonna get us into a lot of trouble. Who's been in a lot of trouble in here when you've made your own decisions? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar, okay? Just saying. So this is why at the very end, so this is, this is, this is Solomon saying this in Proverbs. This is why at the very end of Ecclesiastes, Solomon's just gonna go through, we, we talk about Ecclesiastes a lot, but he's gonna throw and talk about, man, I chased everything, the pleasure, the wisdom of man, like I chased it all. So he prayed, and God said, I'm gonna give you anything that you, you want. What do you want me to give you? Solomon prayed for wisdom, so God gave Solomon wisdom, but he also gave him riches and everything else. And so here's what Solomon's gonna do. He's gonna chase all of those things, and at the very end of Ecclesiastes, he's gonna say, meaningless, 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 verse 12 or chapter 12, verse 13, this is what he says, fear God. So here's Solomon, full of the Holy Spirit, fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Fear God, keep his commandments. Well, here's what Jesus says in the New Testament. To keep my commandments is to love, to love me. To keep my commandments is to be in the love of God. So Solomon is basically saying, fear the Lord and love the Lord. Fear the Lord and keep his commandments. And this is the whole duty of man, but it starts with fear the Lord. So what does it mean to fear God? When, when we go through this, I wanna talk just real briefly on this because I wanna give us some time here at the end. First of all, before we can begin to fear God, we gotta know who God is. What's his attributes? And the very first thing I wanna say is, is, is this to you, because I want you to hear this. God is loving, amen? Can we get an amen to that? God is loving? How many of you guys know that God is just as well? We gotta recognize that God is loving, and he's merciful, and he's forgiving, but he's also holy, and he's just, and he's righteous. And this is why Psalm 103 will say, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This is what it looks like when we're fearing the Lord. We're seeing this mercy and this graciousness to him, but he's also just. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can kill and destroy both body and soul in hell. It's like, why are we so worried about what man can do and not worried about what God can do? Why are we so fixated on if somebody hurt my feelings or somebody said something mean to me, but then I'm not worried about if I hurt the heart of God? So here's what he's saying here. He's like, don't be so consumed with somebody who can just kill your body. We take one another's lives. He's like, be worried about the one who can destroy both your soul and body in hell. But then he's gonna tell us something very telling about his nature. 
Are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore you are more valuable than the sparrows. Here's what he's saying to you. I want you to know in a moment I could snap my fingers and you'd be done. But I value you more than you'll ever understand. So in the same duality tension, he's like, I love you, I love you, I love you. But you better know how powerful I am. And so we need to know he's loving and just. And so once we understand those attributes, then what does this fear look like of the Lord? The fear of the Lord, first and foremost, is something that produces what we call that reverence in awe in us. Fearing the Lord means to be reverent in awe. It's to have complete honor, great glory, majesty, purity that's ascribed to his name. When God revealed himself on Mount Sinai, this is how he revealed himself. Thunder and lightning with a thick cloud covered the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. And it says of the people, they all trembled in fear. I would say so. They all trembled in fear, it says, because of his great power. What they said was, Moses, you go up there. Like, he's too awesome for us. And yet, even though they said, he's too awesome for us, they stayed down there and they worshiped other idols. Crazy people, amen? And then if they read our story, they'd be like, y'all are crazy too. Psalm 33 says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded it and it stood firm. And I know we've, we've talked about this before. The whole reason there's beautiful sights and, and creation, man, is just absolutely gorgeous. The whole reason you're supposed to look at the seven wonders of the world and go to the Grand Canyon and see Niagara Falls. And the whole reason you're supposed to do that is not so you can be like, oh, Niagara Falls, look at all that beautiful water. You don't go to the Grand Canyon and go, oh, it's so amazing. Paul Bunyan drug his axe through, and he didn't make it that way, right? Like, that's not the reason that you go and you look at those things. The whole reason that you see this beautiful creation is so that you're taken over and you're like, my God is amazing. Holy smokes, look at what he did. Look at what he built, look at what he created. It's the whole reason that creation is screaming with beauty is so that you and all, I have this fear of God, this awe and reverence of who he is. This is why we need the fear of the Lord that produces awe and reverence. The fear of the Lord also can produce faith inside of us though. True fear of the Lord produces faith inside of believers. Um, When the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, and they saw how God destroyed the Egyptian army. This is what the word says that they said. Um, It says they feared the Lord and they put their trust in him. They feared the Lord and they put their trust. Let me put this in context. If if all of us right now, we marched out of this church and we walked to Cheney and there was an army pursuing us and Cheney Lake just parted for us and we walked over dry ground. How many guys have some faith that's building in your heart right now? There's nobody going, I just don't know if I believe him. I just don't know that I fear him. Like if Cheney Lake parks and we walk across dry ground and the pursuing army behind us gets covered, every single person in this room is going, oh my gosh, I'm gonna fear the Lord. There's nothing he can't do. There's nothing that he can't have. There's nothing that's outside of his power and strength. He's it. He's the pinnacle of life. He's everything. He's the one that I will spend all of my life pursuing and chasing. Done, period. It's over. I'm in. And yet, 
how many of us can read these stories and be just like the Israelites who experienced it, and just a few weeks later, few days later, few months later, few years later, they're arguing about the fact that they wanna go back to slavery because they just don't think that the Lord provides. I'm like, this is madness. And I'm telling you, in our generation, it's madness. We see God move, we see miracles, and it should produce faith in us, and it starts with the fear of the Lord. Um, Last thing real quickly, the fear of the Lord, um, and this is, this is one I'm gonna get on a soapbox for. How much time? I got like three minute soapbox, real quick. Fearing means that we have to, fear of the Lord means that we have to come to a place that understands God hates sin. I, I know how our culture is. It's like, oh, God doesn't really hate it. God doesn't really, it's not, it doesn't really bother him. I get it. His love covers a multitude of sin. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, for that. But it does not negate the fact that his word says he hates sin. It doesn't take away from the fact that if you're walking in sin right now, he's like, I love you, but I hate that sin. And it's driving him crazy. And so I'm just telling you right now, the fear of the Lord doesn't get to take the love of Jesus, doesn't get to take the sacrifice of Jesus. The fear of the Lord doesn't get to take that and kind of put that to the side and be like, you just keep living your life. Someday you'll figure it out. That's not what he says. He brings us to repentance, amen? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The fear of the Lord puts him in a place of that holy trembling going, I got some stuff I gotta get away from. I got some stuff that I gotta get out of me. I got some stuff that I gotta stop walking in. And it's not this whole, well, you know, his grace will cover you, just do you. That's, I'm telling, that's not the Bible that I read. There's no you just do you in there. And so there's something that has to be said with this fear and trembling in our society, in our, in our place, in our planet, in our world right now. There's something that has to be said when we talk about the fear of the Lord that does not give permission for sin any longer. Now, he loves you. His grace does cover you. Praise the Lord. But that grace that covers you is costly. It's you laying your life down because he laid his life down. It's you taking up your cross. Amen, church? So the fear of the Lord means that we gotta come to a place where God does not like sin. Uh, Psalm 76, seven says, but you, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you once your anger is roused? Ugh. Once the Lord gets that angry tone, that angry moment, I'm telling you, it says who can stand before you when that happens. And then he says this in, in, well, Moses experienced this in Deuteronomy 9. The people were grumbling, complaining, and they were sinning. And in Deuteronomy 9, Moses goes out and prays for 40 days for the Israelite people. And he says this, I feared the anger and wrath of the Lord. He was angry enough with you to destroy you. And then here's what he says in the New Testament in Hebrews 10.31. It is a dreadful thing to the fall into the hands of a living God. And so we've got to have this fear of the Lord that does say, man, he wants to crush sin. He's done, he's done with it. We're not playing games with God going, oh, I don't think he really cares about this one. He does. He cares. So how will this affect our lives? And then and I just want to give us the time to reflect. How does this affect our lives? How does the fear of the Lord affect us today? Number one, when you begin to build a fear of the Lord in your life, you become obedient. 
Look, God is big on obedience. It's all through his word. When I begin to build the fear of the Lord in my life, it's producing obedience in me because what it's saying to me is, I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna walk that way. I wanna get in my word. I wanna pray. I don't wanna do this. I wanna do this. And it's building this obedience in me to become more and more and more like him. And this is why the psalmist says in Psalm 112, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And he's gonna say this, who greatly delights in his commandments. So he's gonna put the fear of the Lord with greatly delights in his commandments. Those things are partnered together. I don't just not wanna, you know, I I just don't wanna jump into the commandments of God because he's forcing me to do those. I delight in them. The fear of the Lord is producing a delight in me to read my Bible. The fear of the Lord is producing a delight in me to pray. I want to do it. Because when I look at him, I'm like, oh, he's awesome. He's huge. He's big. Oh, he's a little scary, he seems. He could crush me in a moment, but he loves me. Do you see what's going through our heart when we have the fear of the Lord? We become obedient. We worship wholeheartedly when the fear of the Lord comes upon us. And the moment that you begin to fear the Lord, you don't want to give your heart to another. You don't want to give your heart to another. I was gonna make a wisecrack, like, I fear my wife, I don't wanna give my heart to another, amen? But there's a reality behind that. Like, I have a fear of the Lord, I don't want to give my heart to another because I realize he's it, he's the pinnacle, he's ah. And so when that worship comes, I worship wholeheartedly. I don't sit here and go, man, I I don't think about what else I can worship in my life. I wonder what's gonna happen when I get out of church. I'm gonna go worship at Chick-fil-A. Oh, no, it's Sunday, it's closed. Like, I don't wanna, you see what I'm saying? Like, all those things, like, begin to fade away, and it's just like, you get this vision for him. He's it. When you have the fear of the Lord, there's a promised reward. It says in Proverbs 22, 4, humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. And Proverbs 34 says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. He goes on later on, he says, oh, the fear, the Lord, oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear him have no lack. So I'm asking you today, do you have the fear of the Lord? Is the fear of the Lord inside of you? You you love Jesus, awesome, thank you, wonderful. Do you have the fear of the Lord? Is it burning in you to go, ah, I've got this little trembling in me, and yet I've also got this awe in me. There's this reverence in me, and he loves me, but oh man, I don't wanna get out of line. Like, do you have the fear of the Lord in you? Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.